It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome one and all to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of chat and interesting people and stories for you to meet and hear over the next couple of hours. Now there's no need to remind you, or is there, that we all go to the polls on Saturday week. Yes, the 8th of February is General Election Day. And vote we all should. I say that to you. You should exercise your mandate, your democratic right, because there are so many people around the world who can't. And this was fought long and hard for in uh, democratic society. So go out and vote. I say that to everybody on Saturday week. You know it's the law. You must be 18. But it seems voting rights have been conferred on youngsters who haven't yet reached the legal age Cody Lowe is one young man who this has happened to and he's on the line. Hello, Cody. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking our call today. Now, just to get this straight, you can vote legally and properly this time round, yes? As of right now, yeah, I'm 18. I can vote now. Actually, today I got my um, vote registered. <gasps> ah, did you get yeah, the card? Yeah, just no, I didn't actually receive my polling card yet, but I had it registered today. Okay. So you're 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 confident now you are legally and properly on the uh, register of electors. Absolutely, unlike last time. <laughs> unlike last few times. Unlike this is what this is what I wanted to talk to you about. Well, let's step back. You're eighteen now and looking forward to exercising your democratic mandate. What age were you when you first got a card? Well, Jerry, I was nine years old, I believe, when I got my first polling card. Nine years old. Nine? Yeah, although I had actually received some beforehand. <laughs> yeah, uh, my information is you'd got a few before. You, you remember the night because you have a good memory of when you were nine. So let's talk about at nine yeah. years of age. And that was in the 2007 election, was it around about then? That was, yeah, that was, I believe, that was when. So yeah. you get a card and here's your name on it. Full name, everything 100%, Cody Lowe, and that uh, card you take. Did you go down to the to the voting station? I did. My mum brought me down. <laughs> and what happened? Well, it was just a very, very bizarre experience. I thought it was going back to school for some reason. I was very worried. Until my mum told me about midway down when we were just walking down that I was going to vote. Right. And being the big lad I thought it was back then, I thought it was going to vote and I was an adult now. Because <laughs> I was always striving to be an adult for some reason. It was just one of those... Looking back on it now, it's... Um, 
it's very silly, but it meant the world to me back then. It was very, 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 very strange. It was a weird little lad, but um, yeah, went in, surrounded by all the adults, big lad, walked in, and uh, handed it to your one. She thought I was holding it for my mum, because I asked for her or something, I don't know. Right. But then when she found out that was my name on the card, she was just as confused as I ever was. And did she check, you know, did she, they checked the card against the register, the list they have there. I presume she did yeah, that, they, yes? They checked, they checked multiple times and they said my name was on it as well. Was my, was my name was on the, was on the register as well. So, Their register. you were actually registered on the register. You had a polling yeah. card, but... A nine-year-old boy, me, nine-year-old Cody Lowe, was registered. <laughs> and... Had you an idea who you were going to vote for? Now, I don't want you to declare your colours or tell me what you're going to do on Saturday week, but did you have an idea what you were going to do, if you could have? Well, at the time, at the time, now we all know how this turned out, I voted Labour. Right. It was not the wisest decision. Oh, oh, OK, so that that, that would yeah. have been your choice. But they didn't They didn't actually let you vote, Cody, no. No, they just said, they just said Cody, thank you for your consideration, but you're very, you're very young. And he's still got like nine more years to go. Did they let you keep the card? They didn't. They actually took it and they ripped it up. Oh, no. Which is kind of sad. I mean, like, I would like to have it. Oh, yes. What a souvenir that would have been. I'd say you were really deflated at that stage. I was, yeah. And you can remember that to today. Nine years of age. So there you are. You slipped through and no explanation ever as to how this no happened. No explanation ever. We asked multiple times at our local council office why, what happened. I'm sure it was just like a flaw in the system, like a name was put down wrong somewhere. I mean, over the past few years, every time we get like a doctor's bill or something along that line, they address it to our house, Mr. and Mrs. Lowe. They think me and my mom are a couple. <laughs> Which Mr. and Mrs. Really wrong message. <laughs> don't want that out in the public. <laughs> <laughs> so on the thing is Mr. and Mrs. Cody Lowe. Is that what's on the yeah, letter? That's what it's addressed as on the letters all the time. Like if it's a dentist or a doctor or an electric <laughs> bill or something. <laughs> well, you know something, Cody. In this world, you know nothing surprises me. Uh, what people get up to or what we hear about. So this would just be another one of those things that would just go wild. Cody marries his mammy. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, a, isn't that a headline? Isn't that a headline and a half? A but anyway, we, we, we just want to absolutely diss that and dispel that today. It's just one of these things. I wonder, is it to do with your name or something? Yeah, I have a very um, long name, Cody Matthew Coniclo. That's my whole legal name. So um, they maybe think I'm, I don't know, not of the same family or that name was put in. I don't know. So give me that again. I just missed it. It's Cody Guan. Cody Matthew Connick Lowe. Connick, the third name. Yeah. Spell that third name. How do you spell it? C-O-N-N-I-C-K. Oh, yeah. Okay, Grant. And it is a very, very long name. Maybe it has something to do with that. And when they key it in, it just says, that's a very important man and person. Make sure he can vote. Yeah. Make sure he gets the bills for the house. Yeah. Everything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... N- the card you will have, you are on the register and it's going to be bona fides this time. But I think that was about four times you got polling cards as a child, yeah. I, th- I think so, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm right. It was four times, wasn't it? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you. you I know your yeah, mum is standing there beside you. We'll talk yeah, to I want to talk yeah. to her. Yeah, I want to talk to her in a minute, but hold on a second. Just don't go yet. So anyway, you're voting this weekend. Just as you're on to me, you're just 18 years of age, right? Yeah. 
how important is it to you to go and vote and to your your friends who are all now able to vote at this stage? Are young yeah. people just turning the 18 interested in politics? Do you think they'll go out in numbers to vote this uh, this time on Saturday week? Well, the people I know, know. But I think it is important to people individually. I mean, I personally um, do care about the more social stuff. You know, the homeless crisis, housing crisis, things like that. And I feel like the party that I'm voting for, which is AIM2 with Padre Tobin, is the only one that actually cares to that. Okay. So, so, so we know now that's what you're going to do. That's your intention you've declared. Yes, going to the ballot. Okay. The other, main, the other main intention is because it's been of a serious help to my mom and her food bank, the Mead Food Bank. And yes. Yeah, 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 and and yeah. we talked about this to your mum, of course, just a, a yeah. couple of weeks ago. So, look, you have a very personal reason, and that and that's you know that's yeah. fantastic. And a lot of people, you know, issues close to home for them are the important issues, and that guides them when it comes to voting as well. Yeah, but it guides you, but, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But you know what? What is in your window of concern at this moment in time? And homelessness is an absolutely huge one. So you'll be up. Uh, bright and early on the 8th or you might lie in but you can vote what 10 o'clock at night you're going to vote anyway Cody that's for sure ah, yeah, I will be certainly absolutely I'll be casting my vote absolutely <laughs> good man yourself will you put me on to your man there lovely to talk to you today thanks for taking thank the call so much, not at all take care now thank you hi Terry how are you Ashling I'm good that's a fine young man you have there let me say <laughs> he really is and he's well able to put his point of view across he certainly uh, has done that this afternoon. I think it was. You can confirm. I think it was about four polling cards he got. Was it? As yeah, as a... I think there was. There, were, there might have been some referendums thrown yes, in there yes, as yes. well. I think at the time, but each time I, I brought them back and I said, "Look, I said, can you get rid of that? He's not old enough, you know." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then when, when we got the one at nine, I laughed and I said, come on, son, I'll dress you up and we'll go down to vote. There's your passport <laughs> and your polling card. <laughs> well, well, I can tell listeners today, if they check our social media at Facebook, is it Louise that we have it up? And we have the pictures up on LMFM's Facebook. You can see Cody. We have a picture of him when he was nine, when he went to vote. <laughs> and we have a, a picture of him today. And he will be going to vote, of course, on, on Saturday week. I'm delighted to hear he's so interested and, and and that he says his friends are as well. That's really encouraging, isn't it, Ashling? It is. Um I think young people young people know what's going on, you know? Mm. And um they would do a lot of social studies at school which they'd speak about, you know, um the homeless crisis that we have at present and and the housing issue and all of them issues. And then, of course, you'd hear a lot of it at home from me as well with the work I do. Yes. And and just reminding everybody that we spoke a few weeks ago to you, uh, you are a big part of the the Meath Food Bank. Just on that one, and you were telling us at the time you're having difficulty with the distribution of the food parcels from your home. Any update on that for us? Well, I'm actually sitting here um, in the A&2 office um, I have my own office now um, in Trim and County Mead, um, the A2 office. Uh, Padder has kindly given me an office where I can operate from and uh, carry out my duties with my volunteers 
at the food bank. Okay. So our service is not lost. Ah, oh, fantastic. Which is fantastic. We're still in operation. Yeah, and it's taking the pressure off you on the home front as well. Well, look, while you're on at me, I have to read something because in the post recently, I got a big tin of beans. I didn't tell listeners this, but I got a big <laughs> tin, tin of beans. You, you can well laugh, Ashling. You can laugh. Um, they are the most expensive tin of beans anybody has ever purchased in this country, I assure you. Because these beans cost what it cost to buy them wherever they were bought in the tin and it cost €9 to post them to me. So I reckon these beans have cost over a tenner for a tin of beans, right? It's a 420 gram tin of beans. But let me read the little card and verse that came with it. Dear Jerry and Louise, myself and volunteers have been thinking about your misfortune on Christmas Day. Been left beanless. We've done a little prayer over these beans. Hopefully you get more than a spoonful with your fry at the weekend. Thank you for having us on the late lunch from all the volunteers at the Mead Food Bank. And it's signed by you, Miss Ashling Lowe, and also signed by Stephen Perry, Jacinta Jones, Mim Lowe, Helen Tierney, Linda Duffy, uh, Marion Lilly, Sarah Lee, and P.S., there's a little P.S., the secrets in the sauce. Hopefully with beans in it this time, Jerry, and a smiley on the bottom. I absolutely love it. And I want to say to you on air today, thank you so much for thinking of me. Oh, no problem. Well, as I said, we, we felt sorry for you, Jeremy, when you went beanless. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. I will enjoy them the weekend, I promise you. And I love the card. You, it says, EWE, are one in a million. I love it. And that card's going pride of place up in the late lunch office as well. Well, listen, before you go, I have something to tell you. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. On LMFM Radio and on this late lunch show, all last year, we nominated Unsung Heroes, one each month, and we had a fabulous day in December where all the Unsung Heroes came together with their friends and family. We had a lovely meal and everybody was presented with a certificate and citation for, for their own particular input and giving back to the community where they live and I just wanted today Ashling Lowe to nominate you as our LMFM late lunch unsung hero for the month of January oh my god Jesus <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much Jerry. I'm very humble no you, sh- you, 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 you I know you are and I know you are in everything you do in your life but what you have done with all your friends who signed that card there and you represent all of them I know and I know you'd say this what you have done and are doing for people who have no homes who can't afford a meal a day who are out in the cold who have such difficulties in life in this Ireland of 2020, where there are really two Irelands, as you know. Uh, You are wonderful people and you are a great woman as well. And you've risen up again, despite a little bump in the road during the month. And we just felt that you, Ashling Lowe, are the unsung hero for the month of January 2020. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks very much. Yeah, we'll be we'll be in touch, okay? And you'll be joining us, please God, health to all of us later on in the year, like we did last year, with some friends, and we'll have a great old day, and you'll be presented, etc., and everything. But we'll be in touch, and well deserved. Thank you to Cody. Thank you for you to you for taking the call and for the beans, and keep up the great work. 
Oh, thanks very much, Jerry. We'll try. We'll do our best. <laughs> I know you will. Ashling, thanks a million for joining me on the show today. Take care thanks of yourself. Thanks very much, Jerry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't she just a dolt? She really is. Unsung Hero is back on LMFM Radio and on Late Lunch. Ashling is the first this year. Ashling Lowe. And really well-deserved, I have to tell you folks. Do you know somebody who is an unsung hero that you would like to nominate, that do wonderful things and maybe they're below the radar, they never ask for any plaudits, they're never seen, but they make a difference to you or your community, your sports club, where you live, whatever. We want to hear from you again this year. If there's somebody in mind, get in touch with us here. If you want to start off, you can call 1850-715-958. Just leave the name and number and we'll follow up on it. If you want to write in to me, if you want to send us an email in to explain why somebody should get this, or you can WhatsApp or text us to 086-1800-658 and the email is latelunch at lmfm.ie. So if you're listening today and there's someone in your mind, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio, Wednesday afternoon. Titanic Belfast is the world's largest Titanic visitor experience and since its opening has become a must-see attraction for all, it is wonderful, I promise you. And throughout February, they've a fantastic promotion for younger visitors with kids going free. It's a great opportunity to enjoy the full interactive Titanic experience. There'll be a special meal deal in Bistro 401 and children receive a free Titanic activity pack when they've completed the tour. And the team at Titanic Belfast have been in touch to offer one of our late lunch listeners today a family pass to the Titanic experience. Here's today's questions. Question, one question. Who was the captain of the Titanic when it sank? The name of the captain of the Titanic when it sank, please, to 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text with your name and the answer, please. And we'll pick somebody for that family pass before the end of the show. Louise, you know I'm an anti-hoarder. Yeah, I'm a clearer outer. I actually think I threw out something lately and now I'm going mad. I'm waiting to be thrown out one of these days. (laughs) You'll never be thrown out. Mm -hmm. I promise you. Ever, ever, ever. I'll hold you to that. You you can indeed. Hmm. What about the woman in, where was she in the UK? In Newcastle, was it? Weston Bartonshire. Oh, sorry, Scotland. Up in Scotland. Somebody, did somebody go into her house to do a clear out or something? Her daughter thought yeah. she was doing a good thing to help clear out and she threw away her mother's life savings. That I think it was where? about 24,000. <gasps> they were hidden in five old tins of Bisto. <laughs> Ah, there you go. Yeah. Seasons and thickens all in one go. <laughs> yes, it's a very Anyone, good... Somebody was thick after it. <laughs> I'm sure. Our life savings in Bistro. Yeah. And out they went. And how much, how much did it come to at the end of the day? I think it was about €24,000. Oh, my. 20,000 oh sterling. 20,000 sterling. Mm. Is it gone? No. Thankfully, two workers at the recycling centre jumped in and spent uh, two hours looking for them. And found uh, one, and then the other four soon after. <laughs> God love them. Ah, uh, isn't that fantastic? So yeah. they they did retrieve the money for her. Could you just imagine? You know, and you know, people of an people age do. are devils for you know putting away cash and in unusual places and hiding it, etc. But even I saw in some shops recently they sell you know like dummy cans of bisto or dummy cans of soups to put to put stuff in. Yeah. Oh, the poor lady. She must have nearly 
nearly passed out and passed away <laughs> with, with our life savings gone. I'd be gone. crying with two oh, going out the door. <laughs> oh. Well, it is a little lesson, you know what I mean, to say, be careful, you know, especially uh, when you go in to help somebody. Uh, Don't let uh, anyone clean your house. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Or, you know, you have to let people in on the, on, on the fact of where you may have uh, very personal things stashed or money or valuables or whatever. But all's well that ends well. You ever thrown out anything, Jerry? Well, that you, you know, by mistake. I think actually I've done something recently, to be honest with you. And I ordered a new one yesterday and I have it today. My greenhouse heater, my little heater for the greenhouse. Well, I, I, I'll be starting the weekend, the early spuds and everything going in and peas. And then when they're up a bit, you need to put the little bit of heat on in the night time just to keep the frost out. Not a whole lot, but I had a lovely electric heater, thermostat and everything. And I think in one of my mad rages of clearing out last year with a jumbo bin, I just cleared it because it's nowhere to be seen. It's gone. It's gone, gone, I can't gone. remember. I'd say I threw it out now. I'm nearly <laughs> sure that in, I included it with all the other. I, I had a couple of other fault. You know them small heaters that had been lying there over the years and I may have just bundled the whole lot together and gone. But there you go. These things do happen. I'm <laughs> like everybody else. I'm getting more doughty as time goes by. Anyway, you're late lunch on LMFM Radio. Me, B.O., we're launching it on uh, the show here today just after two o'clock. And we're going to meet a lovely lady. Kerry O'Neill is with us as well. She's a hairdresser and barber, but she's really, really special. And she's with us uh, after half two on the show today. You know Claire Regan on Smitherini? She's promoting local artists. She wants to hear from you. Job. Oh, if you have... Uh, if you have a song, if you perform and you're local and loud than me, Claire, get in touch with Claire. She has a big campaign going to promote local music and talent. Late lunch, LMFM radio this Wednesday afternoon. And as you can hear, there's a bit of tuning up going on in the background here. So that maybe gives you a little clue as to what's happening next. Yes, it's in its fourth year now. I'm talking about Meath Bio 2020 and we're going to officially launch it on late lunch this afternoon. I feel privileged to be honest with you. Joining me once more is a woman, well she's just steeped in the tradition isn't she, of traditional music, folklore and everything. Bernadette Nagowan is back and she's joined again this afternoon by the brilliant concertina player Michal O'Reilly. You're both welcome to the show. Great to see you again. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Thanks for coming in to us to launch this Bernadette yeah, absolutely. with it was, us. It was really exciting last year yeah. and uh, it gives it the extra bit of uh, another event for us or another bit of excitement because we're a couple of weeks out from the first event now but everything's ready to go. The website is up live, the leaflets are printed and it's just a matter of getting them in the post and around the county now. So here we are, you're the man that's going <laughs> to, as we say, cut the invisible ribbon. Cut the invisible ribbon. <laughs> just imagine now in where you are today that there's a ribbon here and I'm going to be cutting in, and, in a few minutes. I love that. Just be thankful there's no politicians involved. Oh, <laughs> oh we'll all do a big a <laughs> sigh of relief in these couple of hours on late lunch. Yes, indeed. Anyway, congratulations to you, year four. Obviously, like you, you're not back again this year for no reason. Will you remind listeners what your thinking was initially and, and what this is all about? Yeah, ma'am, I play the fiddle and I'm from Ashburn and I travel the world a lot in my 20s and so on playing music um, in loads of different theatres and venues and all and in some of those places, festivals in America and that, you'd meet your other fellow Irish musicians and some of them from County Meath and we'd be there. And then we'd come home to County Meath and you mightn't really see each other from one end of the year to the next. There wouldn't be as many opportunities to play at home. And we uh, have a lot of very talented musicians in Ireland around County Meath and County Louth and so on. And we also then have these stunning 
buildings which has been left to us by our colourful history, whether they're churches or landed estates or castles or whatever. So I just put the two together that it gives us the opportunity to hear, they're essentially your neighbours, they're from a couple of towns down the road and um, some of them play, in, you know, we play in the, maybe the National Concert Hall and that, but you might drive in there. So this is in your area on a Sunday afternoon, you'll get to hear one of the professional or semi-professional Irish traditional musicians that live in your area and um, in also in the surroundings of a beautiful historic building. I love that, that you're bringing it all back home, so to speak. And and it is great that you're bringing it into the communities on the ground in Mead uh, as well. Now, your success hasn't gone unnoticed because you're grinning like the Cheshire cat here and I understand why. Tell us about this award you picked up. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we got recognised. I was keeping in touch with... Um, the Ireland's ancient east people and Meath tourism and Discover Boyne Valley and all and they've all been really helpful with um, getting the name out there you know and you do a lot online um, so I was getting to know them and everything but they were very helpful and then towards the end of the summer uh, last year uh, we got nominated for they had the nominations for these Mead Business and Tourism Awards and then we were nominated and I was like God me all we're after getting nominated for this thing and I was like it was actually (laughs) actually it was one of these reactions where it's like oh look we got nominated for a award yay and then you read on it's like you have to make a pitch in the ARB nav and it's like ah what's a pitch what have I to do there so there was a little bit of that but jumping to the end of it Michal and myself went to a beautiful black tie event in the Dunboyne Castle in around uh, the end of October or November and we won the award for the Small Business and Tourism Woo-hoo. Initiative. Woo-hoo. Well done, you. Congratulations, <laughs> Michal. I love that. That was a typical Irish man's response to his partner or his wife. Oh, we'll have to go to that. <laughs> well, she's neither of them, but I, I know, still had to go but anyway. But you still came up with the same response <laughs> as any <Business> partner. partner. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, you, you are you are very happy with the acknowledgement, Michal, for this, with all you put into it. Which is great, yeah. yeah. I mean... It's a bit of work here and there. It's, it's good to see the nights when the nights actually finally happen. It's great to see a good mm. crowd there, mm. which there has been at all of them. You know, some of them have been mm. pretty much capacity. So You're going a bit earlier it. this year. I'm right there. Yes, yeah, starting in February. Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah. we'll be finished before May. Things get very busy yeah. in other fields in May. So we're going to have the first, the last of the spring series will finish in April in Ahar in yes. Summerhill and, and then Church. you take a break to September and then there's yeah we're off till September then and then back in at uh, Tankerstown yeah so September. so the six we want to say there are six wonderful events in this the spring series February, March and April and then the break for the summertime when you're at other things and then back September, October November let's talk a, a, a minute about the spring series because you mentioned wonderful venues and special places you begin in Belinter House on the 23rd of February. And you know on your website I love this, you give a little resume history of each of the places and it's a wonderful place, Belinda. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Like mm. they have lovely, I'll, I'll be when people book tickets I'll be sending out an email just reminding people that they've a lovely restaurant there and a lovely kind of a bar area for teas and coffees and that before. But it's just the opportunity to go into these stunning venues. A lot of them do corporate events and weddings nowadays and if you're not invited to one of those um, you're kind of walking around the walls going oh look at that lovely place, go in there some day. So it totally gets us in the door in the building and then you get to sit there for the few hours listening to live acoustic music. So 
It is very special when the event itself is actually happening. Um, but the history involved in these buildings, um, at some of the at some of the events last year, we had a historian there who who gave us a bit of an explanation as to what was the story of this room or this building. And it's fascinating, really. I'm not going to try and incorporate that entirely. I'm trying to, uh, my area of expertise is the music and I'll stick with that. But there's no denying that it's been colourful and we have loads of it to show around County Meath and Loud and this part of the country. So then in March you switched to Kells and Headford School again. Yeah. You know, the walls could talk there, I'll Absolutely. tell you. Absolutely, and the, the the room is beautiful. It's stunning. green. It's mm. a stunning room. Um, you pull up to this like huge building and you walk down these old corridors. I, like I've only been into it once to see the room, but I'm really looking forward to drafting in our people and setting up shop and having a few tunes there. You know, there's a there's an irony and a specialness in the whole in the whole event, and it's coming together lovely. I'm meeting such lovely people around the county, and um, their their willingness and to, and openness to having something like this. This is just brilliant. It's really encouraging, I suppose. We're back yes. for year four and no problem getting venues, no problem getting artists. Mm. And speaking of venues, uh, before we hear some music, uh, Ahar Church completes the spring series on the 26th of April in Summerhill. I was looking at uh, images of it and, and the place. Good God, it's... Mm. I'm sure the acoustic will be magical it's in great. this church. Yeah, well, it's, this is actually one of the repeat uh, yeah. venues. Back. We're back yes. there, yeah. So... It's a that's a great place to play. I mean, there was what was one hundred and twenty at it maybe or something mm. like that. Yeah. So, like, I mean, a terrific place to play. Uh, was a miserable evening, mm. and people <laughs> <laughs> people had a challenge finding it. But uh, like, I mean, it was terrific. Yeah. When, when From a musician's going. point of view, when you you go and play and you get that feel of of it reverberating round mm. the place, must be extra special, isn't it? When the venue, well, it's terrific that you can go into somewhere, a room, a space, and just sit down. Not have to, you know. Most places you go, there's microphones and speakers and this yes. and the other, and there is that little bit of a worry about it. Mm. But this place, you just go in, sit down, Play. and anything that's too mad, the so the people soak up whatever extra there is. So the actual room itself is terrific, you know, mm. the church itself. So. Yeah. That's that's the way they've all been, really. Yeah, let's have a, a little flavour. Can we have what Absolutely. will be about? What are you going to play for me first today? We're going to play a jig called The Haunted House. Uh-huh. We, we picked it uh, quickly. It's a Vincent Broderick uh, jig. He was from County Galway. So that'll kick off the year for This us. year is his 100th anniversary, actually. Terrific. Yeah, so yeah. Away you go.
I think they played together before. Once or twice. In fact, I'm sure of it. Beautiful, absolutely. <laughs> you complement each other in the playing magnificently, and obviously a, a match made in heaven. The concertina and the fiddle, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michal, um, I have a sister who plays concertina. There's a, a high prevalence of concertina mm. players around County Meath, and Michal Currently. has a. Michal has a. There weren't. There, there were weren't. Now. Michal has had a very big effect. Influence on, oh, on influence. That. That's a whole other program, mm. Jerry. Yeah, on the concertina world, and Michal has a very lively brother who plays the fiddle. Well, all the siblings. So, fiddle yeah. soul. Yes. Played you know, fiddles. Off each other. And Is we've it? been living on the same land at County Mead for about 4,000 years, really. So, you know, <laughs> that's the style of it, it's Jerry. It's in the DNA. It's in the bar. It really is. Let me take a quick break. Will you play another one for me we in will, a few yeah. minutes? Yeah. Short break. Mead B.O. Hold on. Will I get the scissors? I've just cut the ribbon. Woo! It's lunch this <laughs> afternoon on Late Lunch. Stay with us. More music and crack in a couple of moments. Me, the B.O., yes, the spring sessions, February, March and April, we've talked about those. Then a breaking into the autumn, September, October, November, on your doorstep in the Royal County. Just mentioning Bernadette, and we'll come back to this later in the year, just on the autumn schedule. Again, just looking at the venues, Tankardstown, the George Ugin Centre in Nobber, and finally the beautiful St. Patrick's. Church in Trim. By you have picked them, haven't you? You really have. <laughs> it's it is really satisfying when the dates come together with the venues, um, because we we want to have them on Sundays. So then you're hoping that some of these venues are available on Sundays. And then when I got the lineup together, you know, I'm like, oh yes, can't wait to go in there. And even though it's in November or it's in September, you know, you'll be in there on that day. Everything comes together lovely, and you'll be hearing some lovely music in those places. Like Tankardstown is stunning, and they're really busy with weddings and events. But then this Sunday does suit. And like, great, we'll book it, we'll take it. I love it. Get that email sent. There we are. Now we're not talking to each other now for a while in case something goes wrong. But um, you're look, lucky to get into these places yes. on a day that suits. It's a unique opportunity like that. So um, all information is on the website and guide you around the county to the different ones, you know. Yes, and that's dot com or dot ie yep, you'll get it either way now for, for tickets you order there what about children uh, is there a, yeah, are they full have, price or have you concessions? no price? no no absolutely we have concessions for children because we want the young people of the county to come for sure I want the young musicians to be there to hear their fellow peers that are playing music you know Irish music has a great um, it just mixes between all generations you can have a 10 year old and an 80 year old and everyone in between that have the same likeness for the music so if there is a 50-year-old playing. The 10-year-old is more than welcome to come along. Tickets are 15 euro for adults, but I've just put it on the website just to email um, if you if children are coming because I've just added their names to the list. Okay, Maybe 5 euro or some of yes, them. If the, if the venue is going well, we yeah. just let the kids in anyway. Ah, it's not the work. You're so nice. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's the way to encourage as well. Yeah. What about in the afterglow of the FLA having been been here in Drogheda in the northeast for for two years and of course the coming year, it's not that far we're in touching distance. Do you believe that events like that, you know, awaken an interest, especially in youngsters? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, seeing the um, seeing the crowds around uh, for the music is definitely something that you know piques people's interest, and they come down the town. But sometimes at events like that, then people just get together and uh, maybe get swept up in the excitement of a festival. And really, Irish music is not something that's to the fore very often in Ireland. Um, you don't 
don't see it too often in the pubs or in the venues. So you're trying to maybe run it alongside that, that really traditional Irish music is a listening and an enjoyable thing like that. This is not in a pub. It's not in a pub session. There's no drum machine or there's no amplification with it. So you're kind of scaling it back a little bit to what the real thing is. There are loads of adult talented musicians around this part of the country but there are loads of children learning as well and they may may not have the opportunity to go out and play or hear Irish music because they're not in pubs and so on like that. So there's there's a kind of a battle been fought in a way as well because there is a difference between the Irish music you hear in a pub and this Irish music um, even though they kind of, you know, developed they they developed from the same root yeah but so the interest is there um, for sure and it has peaked because of the flas but and and it has peaked anyway because it's great fun and people love it and they love it when they see it and they want in so then the more they can see something that's true and real and their own fellow people doing it like monkey see monkey do hopefully it'll stem off that way I have to say, Michal, with the concertina, um, I, I often have musicians come visit me here with much larger musical instruments. Mm. It's a handy one to lug about with you. What is? Would that be a, any of the reason why, you know, you'd encourage people to take it up or maybe you did yourself? No? Well, not necessarily. I came home from school when I was, whatever, eight and there was one sitting on the table. And that was that, basically. Here, Simple have, as, picked have, it up. Have a go at that. Well, I went to lessons, Serena Trainer, over in uh, between Summerhill and uh, Kilcock for a few years. And then the whole thing kind of took off after that. And then, like I mean, it has gained a lot of popularity. I was driving, like I'm living, whatever, four miles from Trim. And I was driving through Trim. And various other places, if you're driving around at kind of school run time, you'd see children in school uniforms. And they're carrying a concertina, which never happened. Never. You wouldn't never. even yes. say that you would even yeah. play the thing until you got dragged out of you, you know. So the whole thing has taken off. Also. Isn't that terrific? Terrific, yeah. Yeah, Brilliant. it really is. Is it a difficult instrument to learn? Terrible. Oh, <laughs> how did I suspect that you might say that? Or why did I suspect Once that? Once you have a bit of coordination in both hands, you're okay. You're all right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You make it. If you have a bit of rhythm, we'll figure out the rest, you know. Okay. You know, it's not... Not too much hassle. It's easier than listening to a fiddle for a long time. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you listen to a seven-year-old playing the fiddle for two years, it's, it can be quite challenging. So at least you can knock a tune out of this quickly enough. Miss Nick Gowan, have you something to say about that, please? I think this is another programme, Terry. I'm not going to get in. It's I'm just true. not it's going true. to get in on this today now, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be at the centre of an acrimonious end to a wonderful business partnership here. Ah, no, the business here, will thrive. The business oh, no, will thrive. Well. It carries on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should see the WhatsApp group. <laughs> no, no, listen, I'll tell you one thing. I wanted to just sort of give that type of thing a miss. You'd never know what had happened to That's you on it. there. Um, but look, at the message today is, Bio, it's alive and well. Yeah, this is it. These are the musicians that are alive and playing and extremely talented around our area, whether it's me, Loud and the surrounding areas, people of that. And we're coming out to the lovely buildings that we drive past every day and you're just taking a few hours on a Sunday evening to present this lovely opportunity to hear people. Um, the Arts Council have generously funded us again so I can ring somebody up and say um, how about next November? Will you come out and play at such a thing? And I know I'm able to pay them so that's why funding is is vital, appreciated and very, very important to have things like this in the community. And that's one thing to say, your lineup is wonderful and you have uh, 
two uh, in, in general two special guests at, at each of the concerts as well and I just want to go to the final one because I see a name there that jumps out of me they all do <laughs> yeah. but Mr John Sheehan yeah. founding member of the Dubliners and his daughter Kiola yeah. are playing in November the one in Trim the one in Trim yeah well the Irish music community and the family like we all know each other so I suppose c- counties county boundaries don't really mean yes. anything he's definitely a Dublin man um, even though he's close to, to County Meath and where he lives but also we're all friends and we're all family in the music world so it's nice to invite in the people that you respect and you want to hear yourself so Keola Sheehan lives at Ratoth and I'd meet her when I'd be walking down the street in the morning getting a coffee and so you'd bump into each other and, and the fact that you play music is, a, mm. is another part of it so I was thinking geez, maybe now if we, if we do this again next year I'll get the two of them in because we try to have a different slant. There's two artists at each event so you get kind of a 40-45 minute um, slot of one and then we take a break and then there's another. So in uh, the April one and the November one this year we have a duet. So it'll be that bit extra special. There'll be that kind of dynamic between two musicians who get to kind of tell you their story. They're, they're totally realistic and sitting in front of you as well just telling you the story of their music. So it's very personable and you don't feel like you're on the outside of the music at all. It brings you right in. And yeah, that'll be a special one. That'll be the the hoopla I'll save you a seat Jerry. do that I'd appreciate <laughs> it anyway thank you for joining us again today on the show we're going to finish out with a tune Me the BO 2020 the first concert is on February 23rd in Belinter House featuring Paddy O'Loughlin and Troy Bannon and then you have March in Headford School and April in Ahar Church the beautiful Ahar Church in Summerhill meadbo.com or .ie all the information is there Arigat Okay, uh, uh, what's the tune? This tune is called... Tom Ward's Downfall, I think. Tom Ward's Downfall. The Long time Tom. ago. Away you go. Bernadette August Michal thank you very much indeed thank you Jerry just reminding you if you want to hear directly from the candidates in the Mead East constituency on topics relevant to you and your business County Mead Chamber are inviting you to an election hustings meeting tomorrow morning that's tomorrow Thursday the 30th of January it's on from 8am to 9.30 in the Pilo Hotel in Ashbourne the doors open at half past seven and the event starts at eight o'clock sharp and you can check out the lineup on countymeadchamber.ie late lunch LMFM radio 
on this Wednesday afternoon. I'm joined now by a lady who's a hairdresser and a barber, but she's a little bit different to normal barbers and hairdressers, and we're going to find out why now. Kerry O'Neill is based in Trimmond County Mead, and she's my guest for the next while on Late Lunch. You're very welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. I love the English accent (laughs) straight away. Where are you from? Originally from West London, just outside of Heathrow. Right, and how long are you living in Ireland? Nearly 17 years now. And you retain that London brogue brilliantly. (laughs) You haven't been influenced by the... Not at all. I've got a few phrases that I may use, but... No, I've kept my accent. <laughs> and what brought you here 17 years ago? My darling husband. Ah, <laughs> who is Irish, I take he it. He is indeed. Yes. He's a dub, I'm afraid. Oh, but listen, <laughs> we won't hold that against him. Sure, there's that many dubs living in the northeast. Sure, they're part of the fabric of life here. You know that yourself. Why trim? I don't know. We just decided. We were about there about 13 years now. We mm. moved out there, got a house out there. So that's where we went. And a lot of people did like yourselves because of, you know, the push out from the city as well. So you're based in Trimmond County Mead. Did you qualify as a, a hairstylist, whatever? Oh, it, yeah. I've been in the game 29 years now. In the UK? In the UK, yeah. And I also used to work in Dubai as well as a hairdresser. Did you? I did indeed. For yes. how long? Uh, nearly a year and a half I was there. What was Back that in like? 2000. It was amazing. It was really good. And that's where I met my husband as well. In Dubai? In Dubai, yeah. There you go. All romance. In, <laughs> in, in, in the Middle East, flowers and a London lass meets an Irish man and they set up home in Trim in County Mead. Now, in your time uh, as a hair... Do you like to describe yourself as a hairdresser or a barber or a combination both, of both? Or both, both, yeah. Because yeah, I'm from both backgrounds, you know. So, okay. yeah, I do, yeah. So you've worked on women and men? Yeah. Of all ages? Of all ages, yes. What, what do you do in Trim today? How do you operate? You haven't got a place of your own, have you? Or do, no, have you? no, no, no. I don't have a place of my own. I'm now a relief barber. I decided a couple of years ago to go self-employed. So I do relief work. And then... My other little sideline is KLO Hair Care, where I work with families whose children have sensory issues with haircuts. Now, that's what really interests me. I'm interested all about you, but in particular, this aspect of things. Before we get on to that, you know, starting children off, little boys or girls are bringing them in for the first time for the haircut. It's a, it can be a traumatic time. Oh, of course. Yeah, it can be very overwhelming. Absolutely. Because there's all sorts of different sounds going on in the salon people talking, the radio on. So it can be a little bit of a sensory overload. So some children find that a little bit overwhelming as well. What do you say to parents to prepare children for that? Is there anything you can do? Yeah, well, like that, a couple of years ago, I decided to set up a little support group for parents um, because I was getting a little following in wherever I was working at the time or if I do my relief work, families will follow me to wherever I'm working that day and they want to bring them into the barbers. So... Um, So, yeah, so I decided to set up a support group to help parents prepare their child when going to the hairdressers or to the barbers because sometimes it could be very stressful. So it was just breaking down the boundaries for parents too as well as for the children when going to get haircuts as well. And this is for all children? All children, All children, because every child... I I, I think I can remember back many moons ago myself, and it is many, many moons ago (laughs) when I went first, and it it is quite an experience. Do girls take to it better than boys, or or, or is it... Not necessarily, no, no, no. 
And what age would you say should a child present into a, a hair salon or a barber's first? From what age do they come to you at? Well, again, it, de- it depends on the child because like some children at six months, eight months can have a lot of hair. Do you know? So, so, so you've actually yeah. oh, cut hair on, yeah. on yeah. Yeah, children as young as that? Away. Yeah, yeah, really? do. Yeah, definitely. So it varies with the child and how their hair develops, etc. Exactly, that is it. It's totally that. So you just... Um, so, yeah, so it's just understanding like that with children, like like I say, six to eight months could come in if they've got a lot of hair. And again, it can be a bit of a boundary thing, like there's too many people around, you know, that kind of way. So you just do a little bit at a time for them. But yeah, any age, don't turn anyone away. Now, talk to me about this very interesting and wonderful aspect of your work, where you work with children who may be on the spectrum or, yes. you know, non-verbal children, etc. Yeah, et yeah. It's, it's all ends of the spectrum, yes. the children that I work with. So basically, again, I just try and make it fun for them and breaking down the boundaries, whatever the issue could have been in the past. So then we work on the present. So again, some children wouldn't have liked the clippers. So I introduce different sounds for them to adjust to what the clippers do. And then I just try and make it fun. And you actually go out to people's homes. I have done, yeah. Yeah, I do do that as well. And they're amazing. The, the families are unreal. Every child I go to is a blank canvas. So it, no child is the same. So I never know what I'm going to either. Do you know what I mean? Like the parents might explain, but then I can go in. I have a couple of different little funny voices that I do when I go in to, you know, to keep everyone at ease and this, that and the other. I'm quite an expressionist as well. So, um, yeah, and then we just go from there and we just see what works. So it's not straight in, where's the hair? Let's get the scissors out here on the little machine. You are really the psychology in this. In a way, you know. So, so in other words... Can I say that you try and build a bond with the oh, child? Oh, totally. Yeah, I totally build a bond. And it is all about a relationship with the child. So, yeah, I just go in and I just work out different different areas for the children. Do you know that kind of way? And like I say, I sit on the floor and we play games first or I might have a cup of tea with mum or dad or whatever and we just chat and then we just go from there and just work each child's needs basically and you've obviously seen the way this can uh, make them comfortable oh, at ease totally. yeah definitely definitely and it works it, and it, it does work yeah in time as i always say to my parents slow progress is better than no progress so one child it could take me two haircuts another child it could take me 20 but it's just we work together i've got three key things that i do communication preparation and routine so my time frame with routine is four to six weeks and the more regularly you you do it the more it helps the child because then you're working with their anxieties as well when it comes to haircuts so you start in the home have you seen migration from the home back into the the busy salon that sorry that's always been my plan is that I will help prepare your child to go back into a mainstream barbers or a hairdressers. And yes, some of my dudes and dudettes have graduated back in. And it's amazing. <laughs> dudes and dudettes. Yes. I love it. <laughs> um, the relationship you establish, are there ever times as well, you know, with a child that maybe it's going well and then you arrive a day and they decide to throw the toys out of the pram? Absolutely. But I work with it. Yeah. We just take our time and we give rest times, we do counting. It's just a variation of different things that I do with each child to help them through it because we all have bad days and children have them too. 
What's the fear? Is it the fear, like, when you have a non-verbal child, for example, you mm-hmm. know, that, that must be the, the greatest challenge, is it, to make them comfortable? Totally. And even some of my children and some of my parents have taught me a little bit of sign language too. So, you know, so you work with that as well, or we do visual. Um, some children work with pecs. So if we're having a good day, I will give the parent the nod to video me. So then if they're having a good, then we can show them the next time so they know they can do it. I'll always praise. It's always positive words when it comes to haircuts. And there's a demand for this. Absolutely. And there are some salons already out there doing it as well. They do it once a month. Some might do it once a week. But for me, I'm just so passionate about it because I just think we should all have an understanding because it's every day of the year for these families. So my aim now is to work with more salons and train them my way and you know and let children because like I say I've got families that travel all over to me and it'd be so good if their local community can offer this service as well. I'd say you're pretty unique in an Irish context of somebody that goes out and does this or am I wrong? It's just my job. Yeah (laughs) I've never that's why you interest us and and me especially when I saw this that you actually do this because I've never heard of this before. Yeah well it was quite funny actually because when I'd done the article obviously in the Sunday Independent when I was reading it I actually became really overwhelmed because I didn't realise actually what I do do because to me it's just my job. (laughs) But, But you do do. I know. You really do do. It's fantastic. It, it, it really is. Um, come back to yourself. Was this something that you went into early in life that you wanted to do? Or tell me about that and how you came to this business. Well, no, I've, I mean, I've been doing hairdressing barbering since I left school. Right. So, so you um, started there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went straight into it from school. So um, originally, my aim was always to go and work in the film industry. Yeah, yeah, because back at home, like a lot of my families are all, there's connections everywhere there. So that was always my aim. But I don't know, I just got on and just, just worked and done what I'd done. And then I travelled and went to Dubai and that was amazing. And then eventually I moved to Ireland. So then I think it was about four years ago, I went on to do my tutor award and assessor award where I can teach hairdressing or barbering. And, um, and I suppose by doing that as well, because I have quite a few anxieties too do you know that kind of way so me doing what I do with the children helps me through some of my things as well so you know it gives it a bit of an understanding you wouldn't strike me as somebody you look to be very confident very assured at what you do even though you say that you know that you have yeah, anxieties know, yeah, of yeah, your own, yeah, you know. But yeah. uh, and obviously this is a, a real help as you said to you and you get, get a lot back these from this these children make me a better person and I'm blessed to have them in my life what about, you know, the work you do? Do you work mainly with, like, in an adult sense? Or, or do you work do you work with adults as well as children still? Or on those three days when you're, you know, you're doing your... Well, yeah, in a salon, because yes. you never know who's going to come in. Okay. Do you know that kind of way? And, and it's a unisex salon? Or just I do women's... barbering now, yeah. So I mainly so do relief work in barbering with men, yeah. Obviously, in the time you're in this business, yeah. the world has changed. Extremely. And men, especially as regards their grooming... Yeah. Totally, yeah, 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 totally, yeah. What's the difference between men and women when it comes to hairstyling, if you were to sum it up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think men are more hard work now than the women. Are <laughs> Absolutely. Are they really? Yeah, yeah, 
But I love the banter, though. Yeah, I, I just love what I do. <laughs> Look at me here. I, I think I only go four or five times a year now at this stage, just get a tidy up. But I'm often fascinated to observe when I go to a barber's at the younger fellas, what they're looking for and the intricacies of the designs and cuts they want to mm-hmm. their hair. Mm-hmm. It's incredible, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's all fashion, isn't never it? Never tried. You never say, you know, when you're there working away, say, oh my God. This is just, you know, the demands are too much or the insistence of getting it so-so for somebody exactly the way they want it. Does that ever cross your mind to think? Oh, of aren't course. They fussy, yeah, aren't it's they? the same for myself. You know, you look in a magazine and you see, but sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Do you know what mm. I mean? Because everyone's hair texture is completely different. So, yeah, but yeah, you, you go with it, you know. When you look around today in, gen- in a general sense, um, do boys or men... Is it a shortcut now? You know, we had the 70s and the long no, hair. No, it's all about the fades, I'm afraid. Is it? Yes. That's yes. what's in yeah, now, is it? Yeah, that's what's in at the moment, yeah. The old skin fades. I'm a lost cause there. I may just write that off for, for, for the moment <laughs> unless I go for a transplant or something. Look, stay there for a moment, will you, Kerry? Kerry O'Neill is with us. She's a very special hairdresser come barber. She specialises in children, particularly children with special needs. I talked about the boys. I better say, have a word with you about the girls as well. And, uh, you know, the business and hairdressing and, and, of course, again, massive changes in the years you've been working for. Uh, from oh, a, a definitely. But I haven't, I mean, I haven't done ladies in a long, long time because mm. I've been focusing more on the barber inside mm. and then obviously with with my children the special needs children yes. as well you know but you know when you're, you're in a seat even I suppose with men or women or that I often and I've said this before you're in a very privileged position because I'm sure people spill the beans to you do they, they... oh totally and I also spill the beans to them too <laughs> <laughs> we all confide in each other what is said in the chair stays in the chair <laughs> so it's a, a two way process absolutely is it? definitely yeah mm. do you get you know you're on your feet especially Especially if you're in a barber's or that, working away, do you get tired, you know, standing all the time? No, well, I, I mean, I keep myself quite active, so I'm, I'm quite big into my yoga and Pilates and I like to meditate as well. So, yeah, no, I, I look after myself. So, no, I don't get tired. So you don't ever feel that tiredness on your feet. How important is that to you, staying to be healthy in, in any job, I'm sure, that you do, but in what you do? I suppose, yeah, because you, you are, you know, you do stand on your feet a lot, you know, that kind of way, and you know, your postures and things like that. That's why I do yoga and Pilates, because it helps with my postures, it stops you getting from a bad back or sore shoulders. Mm. Who does your hair? Well, there's a combination of all sorts. Myself, my, my little sister, back in London when I go home, and I also go to, am I allowed to say? Yes. Yeah, Ben Gary in Navin. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I have a lovely girl, Tracy, there that does my and, hair. And, may, you know, the way people change or women well, women generally stay with it. Well, I've definitely it. changed because I was very dark. Yeah, yeah. I'm just starting to lighten my hair now in the last couple of years. And you have lovely long hair down your shoulders there. Is that the way you... Is that style? Have you always, always said no? <laughs> I've always had the same look as my husband says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit boring when it there comes to my hair, no, I'm afraid. A bit of certainty yeah. there. Did you ever think of what, like, even when you look in the mirror, have you chopped it short? Yeah, I do go through phases. I do a big chop once a year or something, or I might go with the old fringe, you know, bring that back in. But, yeah, no. I come back to that point. 
with women as well, they generally have a style and they stay with it long term. Do you notice that as well? Don't change a lot or maybe reluctant to change. Or do you find, am I out of touch? Do women, are they always looking for a a fresh look, a different style? There's lots of women out there who love to keep a fresh look and keep up with it. Mm. Yeah, I think so. So you're dyeing your hair? Well, I've always dyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your natural colour? What's your natural? What's your hair natural colour? Um, I'm sort of a brunette type. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But now, yeah. Is it a pain to have to keep? You know. Yes. Dying. Yes. <laughs> Is it? Yes, especially when you start going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm letting everyone know me secrets. <laughs> you're, you're in on this now for sure, folks. But actually, a couple of years ago on the show here, we, we had a challenge and we, we have um, a, a women's panel on the show once a month called Women with Opinions. And the girls went and let their hairs go back to their natural colour. They stopped dying. Wow. And one of them, Kira, has stained, has the grey. She's totally grey. And you know something? It suits her. Oh. Just really does suit her. Just as a little aside, you know what I mean? It's That's a, it, yeah. For a bit of crack, they did it. Well, I'm sure it wasn't crack for them. <laughs> Two went back all right, but one didn't, you know what I mean, to, to, to the natural colour. Um, back to yourself and this particular uh, road you're going down with the uh, children. In the next while, how do you want this to develop? Because I know you do want to develop this more. Oh, absolutely. Well, eventually, I like to work alongside other salons or barbers in different areas, um, do workshops with them, so they can offer this service to these families. And they don't need to travel too far, you know, or for me, going to the house or anything like that. It's just, I just think it's an amazing service you can offer these people. Mm. So So you want to roll this out. Are you saying to people in salons listening today that, You'd like to talk to them or if they wanted to talk to you about this? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Like I said, I'm trying to work on my um, Instagram profile at the moment. It's trying to get my name out there a little bit more. And, um, yeah, and do workshops because these children are just amazing. And the rewards you get from it are just... And it, it really does overwhelm me as well. So it'd be amazing if I can get salons on board to do some of my workshops and offer this service for these families. And you will train others to do Absolutely. what you do. Definitely. That's the yeah, idea. To that's s- my aim. Yeah. Push it out like and that. And eventually from go to the UK and do it too. We do Ireland first. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the leaders in Absolutely. this one. Absolutely. You do go home to West London regularly. Your folks are there, yeah? Oh, they are. They're there yeah. and they're listening today. Are I they? So, hi, Mummy and Daddy. Say hello to them. What's their names? Mum's um, Molly and my dad's Jimmy. And uh, I even think my little sister Samantha's listening and my nephew Gabe. So, hi, everyone. Hello to all of you. Yeah. Great to have you with us from the other side of the pond today. Um, Brexit's going to be celebrated on, on, on what night is it the 31st you don't want to talk about that. I can imagine I can imagine is it a pain yeah yeah alright we'll leave it at that for yeah, the moment you please. don't want to go on about that anyway they're going to have a little celebration I believe over there but look at uh, let's hope that the closeness between these islands just continues into oh, the future totally, regardless of, totally. of what happens so you're happy in your nappy in Trim absolutely I love it out there why what do you love about Trim what, what, what's great about it it's just, it's just, I don't know. I've just fitted in. It's just a really nice, it's just really nice. Got lovely walks. So I'll bring my dog AJ. I've got to give my little dog a mention because he could be listening too. Um, 
yeah, it's just lovely for walks. There's nice restaurants, and yeah, it's a really nice vibe. Yeah, mm. I like Trim. So there you are, Trim Tourism, getting a boost on a late lunch this afternoon. <laughs> well, look, and I wish you well with uh, what you're hoping to do over the next while. And I'm sure people listening today who have children, you know, who who struggle with children to have them, you know, have their hairs tended to being in a barber's a home situation and that uh, that you are out there, you are in Trim and County Meath. How do people contact you or get in touch with you? What's the easiest well, way? Well, um, Instagram. I'm KLO Hair Care on Instagram and um, I'm working on a few other things at the moment for Facebook as well, but mainly at the moment it's Instagram, KLO Hair Care. And my email address actually, which is ko barbers at hotmail.com that's ko barbers at hotmail.com just to repeat that for kerry o'neill wish you well you are quite different what you're doing is wonderful and i know the people who you've helped have nothing but great things to say about you how you've uh, helped them in aspects of their lives with their children you have i know this wish you well going forward thank you for joining me on the show Have a listen to this. I've enjoyed her three previous crime thrillers immensely, each one surpassing the other. However, I must say, Claire has topped the lot with The Liar's Daughter. It's a masterpiece I'll be recommending to everyone. That's some review for a book that's only been published in the last week. And I'm delighted to say she's back with us on Late Lunch, Claire Allen. Good to see you. Thank you very much for having me here. It's always lovely to be here. And lovely to have you with us. That yeah, that's some review, and I, I can tell you, I know the person who's who's written that about this book. Mm-hmm. It, does it put a little bit of pressure in, in a way? No, it, it it's it's quite the opposite, I suppose, because you write these books and you write them in a very solitary space, and you don't quite know how people are going to react. It. I remember at the time when I was writing this book, I said to my editor, "This is either the best thing I've ever written or the worst thing," and I don't know which. And genuinely. I didn't know which way it was going to go. So to have people come out and see it for what I hope they would see in it is is brilliant. Well, I, I, I can say the pressure's off, if I like to say. You know, I asked that question, but let me say the pressure's off because this book has been so well received and it is early doors. What I'm thinking about in pressure is you probably have a deal for another one and another one beyond that, yeah, have you? Yeah. And that's where the uh-huh. pressure comes in. So we leave yeah. that for another day. Uh-huh. Congratulations to you. you. It is simply marvellous. You're bringing it all back home to Derry, where you're yeah. from. How do you come up with a plot like this and the characters? Where does this come from? Um, I don't quite know. And this is where I go into a bit of writer talk. And some people go, writers are, are a bit mad in the head. And we are. You have to be because you have all these voices in your head all the time. And I suppose the first thing that came into my head with this book, there is a doll in this book, um, a China doll that gets broken at, at some stage. And that was the first image that came into my head. So I suppose from there I went to, you know, childhood and innocence and things getting broken. But this little voice started talking to me and saying, you know, I want you to tell my story. Um, so I suppose that's where the, the initial character of Heidi came from. Um, one thing I will say is obviously, you you know, Derry, I was a journalist for a long yes. time with the Derry Journal. So um, I covered a lot of court cases. I've, spoke to, um, I've spoken to a lot of survivors of of um, childhood abuse. And this this is what this book deals with. Um, and how it affects the adult, the person as an adult. And um, I suppose that those stories have always really, really touched me. 
and really made an impact on me that, you know, these aren't traumas that go away. These are traumas that come back and they, and they have a ripple effect. It's not just the person who has been abused. It's family members, etc. And what what the really sort of sad and frightening thing about is, particularly in Ireland and definitely in Derry, is that there are so many of these stories hidden and they don't come out for years and years or they don't come out at all. Mm. Um and maybe people might know something happened, but nobody ever wants to address it. Yes. You know? Isn't it ironic you're here today because we're talking to Carrie yesterday, who are an organisation in this country who deal with what you're talking about mm-hmm. there and what this book addresses yeah. as well. But you obviously have a deep reservoir from your past with the Derry Journal and being a journalist. And, yeah. and that voice in your head obviously comes from all those memories and stories that you, you, you have yeah. come your way. Just to tell listeners about this. There's a man at the heart of the community here. He is regarded, you know, highly regarded mm-hmm. in his community. His name is Joe McKee and he gets a cancer diagnosis and he dies quite rapidly. He does, yeah. But more rapidly than perhaps... He he would have done it. It's yes. A, it's a slightly early departure yes. for him. Um, he... There is no little or no actual, you know, violence of any nature. There's no graphic descriptions mm. in this book. Joe is a person that we mostly hear about in past tense, but he does, his own voice does come in there a couple of times. But regardless of that, Joe was the one villain that I've written who actually scared me as a writer. And at one stage I did have to close the laptop, say, I actually can't write any more of this character today. And ended up really, really upset. I think it just got into the space too much. And I had to go and do something really lovely with, you know, puppies and mm. and chocolate and the children and, you know, nice things. Um, and I think why he is so scary is that he is that, you know, person that you could walk past on the street. He's a very normal person, well regarded. Nobody would ever look at him and think, what has been going on under the surface, but he is thoroughly irredeemable. I tend to, with my villains, I tend to think everybody is generally a good person, but something happens that makes them do something bad. Joe is just bad. He's yeah. just he's just evil, and I suppose maybe that was my first time writing somebody that is mm. that has no saving graces. And that really comes across that mm-hmm. thing that you say that in our communities there are people, and you think lovely people, wonderful people, and yet. Beneath the surface. You mentioned Heidi there, who was his stepdaughter. Mm -hmm. And the other character we have to mention is his daughter, Kira, as well, because he's unwell and they return and the story unfolds uh, from there. But here's the thing, and I don't want to give away, I want people to get this book and read it. I want to be really careful about it. Margaret Madden, as you know, our brilliant book reviewer, is here tomorrow Uh with us on the show for Book Club. She kills me for this, and I'm not going to do it. But I will say this. It really is, in the end, there's a very serious and alarming story here. But really, then, it's one of these classic whodunits. Has the truth been buried with Joe? Yeah, well, that's exactly it. I mean, this it, it is um, a, a whodunit at, at its very heart and it's a very claustrophobic whodunit because you do know when Joe dies that there are five people in the house at the time. And so, you know, your pull of suspects is quite quite small. And I suppose, um, does everybody have a motive? Who does? Who's, who's strong enough motive to want to do this? Um and, you know, yeah, you, I suppose you question even yourself, has something happened or has it been distorted in some way? So hopefully mm. it'll give the reader a lot of questions. And that's where the entertainment as a read comes in. The very, very serious storyline 
sort of runs alongside that. Yes, and, and can I say to you on reading it, this is what crossed my mind. You deal with a very sensitive subject mm-hmm. in a very compassionate way. That's definitely what I hope to do. You um, have. Because I have, you know, as I said, I've, I've so much experience speaking to survivors of abuse. And when I spoke to them as a, when I was a journalist, they trusted me to tell their story. And they trusted me to tell their story in a way that wasn't salacious, that wasn't, um, you know, headline grabbing, that was just with truth and with compassion. And when somebody gives you their story to tell, you tell it in whatever way you can. So this is not anybody that I've met story, but this is a general story about this thing that happens. And to me, the only way to tell it is with compassion. Um, it's not entertainment. Child abuse is not entertainment. It And it shouldn't contain any graphic detail. There are no descriptions of abuse in this no, book. No, none. And it was a very conscious decision um, that there never, there never would be. But at the heart of it, yeah, it's, I suppose it's seeing the damage and hearing the damage from people over the years and and the impact it has on everybody around them and mm-hmm. how can you not feel compassion? And yet you deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know the way that you will read graphic books and accounts and everything like that, but mm-hmm. yet your brilliant skill, may I say, is that you deal with this Thank wonderfully. You, much. you really do. Uh-huh. And the other thing, just back to the characters and the story, you know, at times you read books and, and you know the, the characters are, are of your creation. But honestly, I have to say to you, Claire, these are people that I meet every day. Never mind, you're a dairy. Yeah. You know, in my life here in the uh-huh. North East, they're so believable, may I say. Yeah, and that, you know what? Again, I'm sort of harking back to the journalist days. One thing being a journalist in a, in a city, in a small city, taught me was that the most ordinary and inverted commas people have the most extraordinary stories to tell. When I was a journalist, the, the people that I loved talking to the most were not going out and meeting a celebrity or a politician or, or whatever. It was those ordinary people and their strength, you know, even in the face of great tragedy, their, their strength and the compassion they could show towards people, the forgiveness they could show towards people. Um, and that really, really stays with you. But, the, but these, are, these stories are affecting the person next door and the person down the street and the mum you see at the school gates and the postman and whatever else. So to make it real, there have to be people that you can relate to. I will say to people as well, towards the end, you think it's going in one direction, but be prepared. <laughs> well, I'm hoping nobody guesses. <laughs> no. And, and that, but yeah, there's, that's... There's a massive... And, and, you know, I say this, and I've said it many, but in this book, there really is a massive turn towards the finish of it. It, the 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 review I read it, it, this book is brilliant and I want to say it again it really is it's uh, it, it's a wonderful fourth for you because you have already published her name was Rose Apple of My Eye Forget Me Not and now this it's is the right, liar's yeah. daughter and you've been profuse that's from twenty you know in the last yeah, couple of that's, years that's really in the last eighteen months yes, they've all come you've out, come out so with these yes it's been um, it's been hectic. Um, uh, in, in sometimes in very difficult ways. Sometimes it's been, you know, very intense, but it also has been exceptionally exhilarating. And to have it, you know, and they have a great team behind me. I have, a, I have a great group of readers that, you know, now look forward to these books and everything. So we're very privileged. Any of us that are doing this for a living, that are writing, that have people reading our books, we are so, so privileged. And we never, ever take that for granted. And we're so grateful for it. When you began with Rainy Days and Tuesdays back in 2007, which yeah. was about postnatal depression, uh-huh. and then what followed that was seven fiction novels, and yeah. then into the, the crime series now. Would you ever have believed back then when you set out on this role yeah. that 
you you would end up, you know, in Ab- this genre. Absolutely no way. I think even when I started writing Her Name Was Rose, I didn't think that I would end up in this genre. <laughs> as um, recent as that. Yeah, as recent as that. It was a very accidental... Um, happy accident to suppose a conversation with somebody who sort of said if you write, want to write something a bit more serious I actually think you would be really good at writing crime thrillers and I was like no I wouldn't be like I don't have a dark mind and they went give yourself permission to unleash your dark side and that was the expression that was used and I walked away thinking I didn't have a dark side and I was never going to be able to do it but lo and behold I have a really dark side <laughs> and it's actually great fun to delve into I think also because you know you can jump back out of it. Yes, yeah. yes. And it is a side and it is. And, and of course, like as you mentioned there, from your experience through that wonderful work with the Derry Journal and all those people, the people, mm-hmm. the ordinary folk you meet and the stories. My God, there's a res. Again, I say use the word reservoir yeah. of of uh, characters and people and stories there. I, I, I saw you on social media saying, and, and I know you're on the publicity tour side yes, of this at uh-huh. the moment, and you were talking about eating and you were talking about, oh, I'd like to be a hermit on a Scottish island. Yes. I, well, that was, I was very tired. Were you? Nice you must have been. You I must have been. I was very tired and emotional. I think um, we're so used, writers are so used to working in their own wee rooms and it's very quiet. My dog keeps me company and she's not much for chat, you know. Um, and and so when we go out and we and we are being, you know, really promote, you know, promoting a book and being really social and we're delighted to see people, but it's such a steep change for us that we're sort of a bit like rabbit stuck in the, in the cotton of the headlights. <laughs> it's two sometimes. worlds, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. You know, from uh-huh. the world you write in, Absolutely. very solitary and with your that, that inner voice talking mm-hmm. to you, to all these voices and all these people That's, And it's wanting. great to see them. But I think most of us are more comfortable behind the scenes than, you know, like I, as a journalist, I loved being a journalist swap it round when I'm on the other side of it and, and I realise why people might have felt a bit uncomfortable at times or, you know, nervous or whatever else. I suppose you never really know how people are going to react to what you're saying, what you're doing and what you're writing. So you're always bracing yourself to see what people say. Mm. So, one, two, three, four. And I was mentioning, you know, pressure at the start of this conversation and mm-hmm. what's to come. What, what, what are you lined up for now? Are you are you tied into something? Must you? Are there deadlines? What? Oh, there's always deadlines, <laughs> Sherry. Always, always, always. Well, being somebody that seems to be a martyr for punishment, I, uh, I, um, I am actually going to be writing some rom-coms as well, which I'm launching under a pen name in May. Uh, the pen name is Freya Kennedy and the first book is coming out in May. So that's really sort of light and fluffy. And I suppose that's my palate cleanser so I can delve really darkly into the thrillers. So I have signed for another two books with HarperCollins, the first of which will be coming out this time next year. So that's what the Freya Kennedy was. You've answered my question. Anyway, look, we have to leave it there for today. The book is called The Liar's Daughter. It's simply brilliant. I'll say it again. Congratulations. You've really hit the top with this one. And I have a copy here, but it's too late today. So I'll tell you what, we're going to have it tomorrow along with Margaret here in Book Club and we'll give away a signed copy by Claire. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming to us on Late Lunch and wish you well. Thank you. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this Wednesday afternoon. See you Thursday, 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We want you to challenge us for the best deal on a new Renault or Dacia in 2020. You can now inquire at blackstonemotors.ie. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.